John 15 is where we're going to really focus our efforts today. In John 15, 1 through 5, if you want to start turning there, if you're familiar with your Bibles that's uh, in the New Testament, uh, if you're not familiar with your Bibles, it's about three-fourths away into the Bible is where the New Testament starts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 15, verses 1 through 5 will be what we, what we really let the Lord uh, bring us into today. Uh, it's interesting, though, is that we're going into an agricultural imagery. So I thought it was entirely appropriate praying for Iowa, rural Iowa farmland that we are taken into this agricultural imagery of John 15. Lord, I just want to look to you in this moment, Lord, that we're not just we're not just going to encounter words that some person wrote that the one that made us wrote every one of these words. The one who made us is for us, loves each one of us in this room, has done more for each one of us than we could ever comprehend. Um, You gave us these five verses for our joy, for our rooting in you, for for us to be able to not just survive, but to thrive. And so, Lord, would, would our walls come down in this place? We so often think maybe that applies to somebody else, but, but people don't know what I've done or what's been done to me. And Lord, would you let each of us know that these words are, are our words. They're for us, not some other person. They're for us. And Lord, would you find open hearts in this place as we, as we step into these of your words. Um, verse one of John 15 starts by saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, Jesus is setting up this like super strong imagery for us that of, of the vine, he is the true vine, the father is the keeper of the vineyard. So he's even bringing us into this Trinitarian image of we're, we're taught by him that there's one God, there will always be one God. If someone tortures you and is like, how many gods are there? You're like, there's one. And that one God exists as, fa- that, if that happens to you, it may not, uh, that, that one God uh, exists three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see here that, that the Father is the keeper of the vineyard and the Son is the true vine. He's not this faraway passive God. He's more aware of us, closer than we could ever dream. He's actively involved in the fruit of our lives. And there's gonna be like four big points. There are, there are others, but in this moment, in this being taken and being rooted, there's four points that we're gonna pull out of these five verses. And the first point is being in Jesus is like a branch connected to a vine. I know I, sound, I like said that, probably like it felt like it should be profound, but it's like, yeah, that's what you just read. Like you didn't say any, you didn't like make it sound any better. I know, it's amazing. So let me read it again. Being in Jesus is like a branch connected to a vine. Now, as I was really soaking in this the last couple weeks, I was like, okay, what else could he have said in order to communicate to us what this relationship with him is like? What he could have said is, I am an eight-star general. Now, I know enough about the military, like there aren't eight-star generals, right? Which would make it entirely appropriate that Jesus would be the first, okay? So if he was like, I am an eight-star general, and you are the troops. 
I live in headquarters and you exist on the front line. And we would say, yes, sir. What do you want us to do, sir? Right? But he doesn't use that imagery. It's like, no, no, we're, we're closer here. So he could have said like, hey, we're a tech startup. I'm the boss, you're the employees. And it actually is successful and awesome to be a part of. And we're on mission with him. We love going to work. Like he's our great boss. It's awesome. Savior of the world is your boss. That could have been the imagery that he gave us. He didn't though. He's like, no, no, that, that doesn't communicate the way that I see my people. He could have said, I'm the coach. You're the players. I'm on the sideline. You're in the game. And uh, my kids, uh, my oldest is 13 now, as they've gone through all sorts of various sports, almost every season, we talk to our kids and say, okay, I want you to listen to my voice, right? When I say, clean your room, or I say, it's bedtime, or brush your teeth, like, I want my words to, like, matter, right? I don't want to have to say it a hundred times. Uh, can I get an amen for that, maybe? Yes, okay, thank you. Um, but what I've told my kids on teams, though, is don't listen to my voice louder than your coach's voice on the team, okay? So if, like, there's soccer, and I'm like, kick the ball, score! And the coach is like, pass it! Like, I want you to pass it, right? Like, I want, your, I want you to be tuned to my voice. I want you to respond without thinking. And even the most elite athletes, right? Like, a, a great thing of sport is one that the most elite athletes depend on coaches just as much as elementary kids. And listen to the voices of the coach. Respond the will of the coach. And trust the coach to bring them through things, right? So I'd be like, man, that would be an entirely appropriate imagery for us to be communicated the way that Jesus sees us, is I'm the awesome coach and you're the okay players, but I'll make you great. But he doesn't use that imagery as well. He says, no, I am a vine and you are branches. I mean, that's like so intimate. It's so close. I even thought, it's so close, it would be inappropriate for me to say that about any other people, right? If I'm like, honey, I am like the vine and you're like a branch connected to me. You're like, no. Or if I was like, hey kids, you get all your food from, from me and my toil or whatever, right? And like, if I'm like, hey, y you are connected to me, well, that's inappropriate, like, dependency, codependency, the relationships over time, right? Because it's like, no, you want kids to like soar after a while and stuff, right? So for him to say, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and it can only be healthy if it's said of this relationship. What's crazy though is he doesn't just say, hey, I'm a vine, stick to me. He says, I'm the true vine, the true vine. This is great. One of the things that he's, it'd be easy to pass over this and miss this. But at this time, for people to respond in faith to God would mean that they would go to the temple. And that as faithful people, they would go to the temple and God's presence would dwell there. There'd be sacrifices that would be made atoning for our sin so that we could approach God through the temple. 
and we saw that with Zechariah, and we've seen that in a lot of the, the stories that we looked at during the Christmas season. A lot of that was happening around the temple. But what's crazy is here is Jesus is saying, hey, that's been redirected, and the temple is now walking among you. Your God is now in flesh, and I am the true vine. And Jesus can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so here, being in Jesus is like a branch connected to the vine. He is is the true vine, and then look at verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The second of four points that we see here, and I wish I didn't say it, but it's so good and so hard, is accomplishing anything in Jesus involves continual pruning. Accomplishing anything in Jesus involves continual pruning. Look at that. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he just says, good job. No, look, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Man, you're killing it. I'm gonna prune you so that you can bear more fruit. Uh, I actually got really into fruit trees, which is, well, uh, comparatively, some other people are really into fruit trees. I got into fruit trees by planting two okay, in my backyard seven years ago. So I planted two peach trees. I did plant two apple trees as well, but they're dead to me because they just have not produced uh, apples. So, but my peach trees, I actually am very, uh, uh, I, I really like my, apple, my peach trees. I like one of them way more than the other uh, because, uh, and thankfully I'm not God, right? God would never talk this way about his, uh, but, uh, uh, but I am not he. Uh, but one of the peach trees is just, it's, it's a beautiful peach tree. It's grown really well. And uh, the other one hasn't so much. And for a while, I was like, well, I'm not going to prune that one too much. I'm going to kind of leave it alone. But this other peach tree, and if you're like a master gardener, I'm sure you'll correct me and I'll be totally wrong. But I read a couple articles on the internet. So there you go. And, uh, and I read one that said, um, a pe- like a fruit tree, you should be able to throw a Frisbee through it. So like all the branches and everything, you should prune it to the point that like you could actually, like when the leaves aren't on it, you could throw a Frisbee like through the tree. Like that's how pruned it should be. And so I did that and man, I, my tree probably, as like I was walking up with the clippers, like it was like Tim's the butcher of Edmund, right? Like he's just like, creak, 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 you know, and all that stuff. And then I read also that like when it starts to form peaches, um, you shouldn't have like a, f- I think it's true for apple or whatever, like you shouldn't have one for more than like a fist. So like if there's like four next to each other, like you should only leave one, which I think is kind of cool because it's like me as the, the pruner of the tree, I get to look at the four and be like, that one looks like it might grow the best. So I'm gonna get rid of the other three and let all the nutrients go to that one, you know? So one year, this is a couple years ago, um, I went through, and because this tree was like exploding with peaches all over it, and I was like, I gotta prune it, and I'm gonna like pick off peaches to leave like the distance so that they're not too close to each other, touch each other, mold forms, all that stuff. So I picked off peaches that were about that big. Off of one tree, I picked off 200. Like I actually counted them. I like picked off 200, put them all in this thing, and just threw them away. And I, I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but like, I guess this is the way it's supposed to happen, you know, but it was painful. But that year we had hundreds of, of like incredible peaches that, that we just enjoyed and froze and all that stuff. What I've learned though is like, 
you know, you'll have one branch that in like one year will like pop out like 18 little branches. You know, it's like, beep, 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 you know? And then each one like has a little thing hanging off of it. And I'm like, man, that's not gonna go well for you. You know, like when that thing gets big, you're just not, you know? And so I'll just like get rid of all of them except for like one or two. And man, I just think for our lives, right? Like when I'm like, God, look what everything I'm doing for you. You know, like, boom, 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 boom. And he's like, uh, we'll do two. Two of those things, okay? We, we need some health here, okay? But we feel this pain, right? Like we feel like, God, aren't you pleased with me? Aren't you pleased with all that I'm blah, 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 blah? And he's like, I'm actually caring about your heart. I care about our relationship, and I care about fruit. And so we're going to thin this thing out, right? Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Um, and I've experienced that, and, and John 15 has been such a beacon of light for my soul, is because I've experienced probably more pruning in the last year or so than I have in many years through the planting of this church. And people have told me, like, nothing will crush a human being more than trying to plant a church. I remember Josh Curry, um, I, him and I are both really into hunting. He's really into underwater hunting as well, um, as since I grew up in rural Iowa, well, I'm not so much into the water, so <laughs> we're pretty landlocked there. But he told me one time he, he had gone all the way down to the bottom of, like he was like 60 feet down. He had speared a fish. This fish, fish swam into a wreck. And so he, and this is all holding his breath. Um, and I've seen him like hold his breath for like three minutes. It's exciting television, right? Watch a guy hold his breath for three minutes. But he, he was way down deep, swam into this wreckage, going after this, this fish they'd speared. And, um, and he thought for a little bit that he got stuck in the wreckage. He's holding his breath 60 feet uh, down in the ocean, you know. And I was like, is that like probably the most scared you've ever been in your entire life? He's like, no. I was like, no? He's like, no, planting a church. I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> um, but it's not because that's like a big thing. I think what it is, that's something that God called Josh to. That's something God's called me to. I think whatever God calls you to that's a stretch is like gonna take everything because he's gonna use that to prune you, to make you who, you want, who he wants you to be for his glory, right? And that's painful, but it's what's for our best and what we desperately need. And we don't know how much pruning is needed. Some of you... Um, your life might feel like it's been a continual pruning. Others of you, uh, it's easy for us to run because we think that something wrong is happening and we run from God when we feel the pruning as opposed to recognizing like it may be his kindness and mercy because he cares about us and the fruit that comes from us being true, amazing fruit. But here's a blessing. Look at verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I love that he gave us this verse when he gave it to us in these five verses. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. We have seen John chapter three. How do I get connected to the vine? God so loved the world, he sent his only son that whoever tries really hard and does all these things is connected, right? No, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is not us like trying to play games with God and trying to do all these things. Whoever believes in him will not perish, have everlasting life. Again, here in the book of John, chapter 10, Jesus paints this picture like those who are mine, try to rip them out of my hands. Bring every angel you can and have them try to rip them. Nothing can rip them out of my hands. 
So this conversation, staying connected to the vine, is not a conversation where it's like, oh, I'm off, I'm on, I'm off, I'm on, I'm trusting him, I'm not. It's him holding on to us who have put our faith in Christ. He's the one that does the work and we respond and it's gracious and that's why we worship him forever. And what we see here is he said, hey, you're clean. Now let's talk about fruit and let's talk about your rooted life in me as we live this thing out. And then look at verse four. This is a, I'm just gonna let you know, this first word, this is a verb, it is an, it's an imperative in the Greek language, which means this is a command. He's not saying like, hey, take it or leave it, optional. It's like this is a command for our good from our good Savior that is our delight to follow. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. The third of four points here is that when we are rooted in Christ, This is incredible. When we are rooted in Christ, he's rooted in us. So this abide in me and I in you, he only gives that verb once. It's you abide in me as I'm abiding in you. You abide in me as I am with you. So it's not like like we walk away from him and he's been walking away from us as well. No, his love for us is that he patiently waits. We're connected to him through faith and then he patiently waits for us and he says, abide in me. And I just wanna let you know, like, I don't use that word. Like, we weren't at Kohl's and I was like, hey, honey, why don't you abide here? I'm gonna go over to Cabela's, you know? Like, I don't use that word abide, right? So I actually looked it up. I'm like, what does this word really mean? And like, stay. Stay in Jesus. Remain. Remain in Jesus as he is in you. And this is our calling. This is our command and this is our calling. A lot of us talk about a calling in life, like hey, have you received a calling from him? Are you an, or like an ordained plumber, which is a real thing, that he has called you for his purposes to be on mission in the profession of plumbing for the glory of God? I would say that's a lowercase c calling. A lowercase c calling are the individual things that the Lord calls us to that, that are diverse and different and beautiful and, and all of us together make up his body as we're living out our lowercase c callings. But there's a capital C calling that we're talking about here that he calls all of us into, which is remaining in him. That's it, remaining in him, abiding in him, and what in the world does this look like? My experience walking with Jesus now for 20 years and in the last year, a lot of the things that he's been Uh, teaching me about what it means to be, I think so often if you observe the inside of me, I would look like you looking outside at a tree and you see this branch that's like falling off, falling back on, going all up and down the tree and being like, ah, it's drought, I don't know what's going on, right? But like when you look outside, it's like, oh look, winter storm connected, you know? And you're just there. And it's like, how do I actually with, Jesus, the savior of the world, how do I abide in him? And here are just three, this is like as crazy practical as I'm learning to live this out. The first one, and I know this sounds silly, you're probably gonna judge me for saying this, is like, really, that's it? And it's like, this is what I'm learning. Number one is to breathe. I just, I was meeting with a church planter that's 70 years old that's been planting churches his entire adult life, 70 years old, and he's like, Tim, have you ever thought about just breathing? 
I was like, uh, I think I do that, like, non-voluntarily, you know? Uh, but he's like, it's like, just breathe. And then he's like, you know what? It's, it's amazing how two of the names of God are like two syllables, and we inhale and we exhale. So he's like, here, let me show you something. He's like, it's hard to say it while you're doing it, but he's like, Jesus. Jesus. Or... like just breathe and it's like you know because you often say like if you're working out or something like hey i gotta catch my breath he's like what if you said hey i gotta catch god's breath because i'm abiding him i gotta stop here and catch god's breath and it's actually ruach is the the name of this is what's referred to towards the spirit in hebrew um and then which spirit and then in greek it's pneuma which like a pneumatic drill or something is a air drill Right? Pneuma is the Greek word for the Spirit, for the Holy Spirit, is, is catching the breath of God. That's abiding in Him, is just stopping and breathing and being like, oh, I don't know how to handle this argument right now. I don't know how to handle my boss. I don't know how to handle my kids. But Jesus, I'm in you and you're in me. And then to pray, like that's praying. That's what prayer is. <laughs> doesn't have to be this like formulaic thing before a meal it's like god i'm in you you're in me what do we do here what should i say here how should i feel here i'm in you you're in me how are we going to do this thing pray as we breathe and then the third is receive nutrients from him receive the nutrients from his presence and from his word like that's what being connected to the vine is. Is like the, the nutrients are going up and that's what's giving us everything that we need. And he's like, that's the imagery that I want you to think of when you think of my relationship with you. Is I'm giving you the nutrients. I'm giving you my word. Um, for centuries, it's, 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 I had a professor in seminary that said, I study the Bible to know God and I just read the Bible to be with him. And it could just be opening scripture and just being be like, okay, Lord, I need, I'm in you, you're in me. Give me nutrients. I desperately need them. Verse four is the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If we wanna see fruit in the church, in marriage, in singleness, in parenting, in work, we're not gonna see any fruit unless we're rooted in Christ, unless we remain in the vine. You, there isn't synthetic fruit that somehow you take a shot and you just get it. There isn't, uh, you can't just go to Hobby Lobby and buy some fruit and tape it onto yourself. This it can only come uh, through him. And he sums it all up as he does. He speaks so eloquently, cuts through the fog of life, and in verse five, he just summarizes it all for us in one verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've looked at that like, is there a way out? Is there a loophole there? Can we maybe do some things without him? But the big things we need, no, nothing. We can do nothing apart from him, which means with him we can do anything. We can do nothing apart from him, 
But with him, we could do anything that he calls us to do. Um, we, we talked about the Father, we talked about the Son, we've talked about the Spirit, and Jesus even tells us later in this book of John that one of the roles of the Spirit is our counselor. The Spirit counsels us, and we need counseling. I need counseling. We need counseling to know how to think about ourselves, how to think about others, how to think about the world that we live in, how to think about what's been done to us, how to think about what we've done to other people. We need counseling. And so as our counselor Holy Spirit moving in our midst. I've just got three questions for us, okay? Now these questions are questions derived from this text, but what I wanna encourage us with is, I find sometimes I'll be in a setting like this and the Lord will like really make it clear to me like this. This is where I wanna love on you. This is where I wanna encourage you. This is where I want you to grow because I'm for you and I love you and this is for your good. And the second I walk through those doors, I start thinking about something else. Start talking about something else and I totally forget about it. And like the God of the universe, the counselor that I didn't have to pay for, that, that is the greatest counselor that has gone through paying, even giving himself for me, has communicated to me and it's his grace that he is like, hey, I know I've shared this with you 30 times. Could you write it down this time? Could you share it with somebody? Could, would you mind praying with somebody about this? I mean, this is like my own life. I'm not like thinking about Sean and knowing like, Sean, this is so clear for you. This is so clear for me. And so as I ask these three, let's just call them diagnostic questions. Uh, I just, Spirit, wanna open it up to you to communicate to us. None of us, I think, woke up wanting to play church we woke up wanting to actually have an encounter with the God of the universe. And Lord, if someone in here is shutting that down just because of thinking that uh, that's gotta be for somebody else, but God doesn't know what I've done, well, people next to you might not know what you've done, God does. <laughs> and he is for you. He wouldn't have you in this room if he was not pursuing you. And, uh, and just one question. What part of my life am I disconnected from Jesus right now? What's the part that's like, man, I really enjoy this sin, and I know one day I'll look to Jesus to like free me from this sin, but it's pretty nice right now, so we'll just keep it over here. Where I should be abiding, where I should be rooted in him, it might be my parenting. I'm just trying to do it in my own strength, and it's coming out to doing nothing. Where I'm looking for real fruit here as I parent my kids. It might be my marriage, it might be my singleness. It might be your salvation. You might be like, hey look, I'm pretty good compared to those other people I know, so I think God will be cool with me. I think my good has outweighed my bad. I think that could be true if Jesus never came. But when the Father looks at your life, uh, then the Father looks at Jesus' life, which was given to pay for yours, given to set yours free. Jesus looks at your life and he looks at, or God looks at, the Father looks at your life, looks at Jesus' life, and he looks at us and says, I've seen better. What I saw on the cross, you can never accomplish that, and he did that for you. If you respond to him, he'll give you life. He'll connect you to the vine. He'll give you what you need. 
what part of my life am I disconnected from Jesus? Second is, is he pruning you right now? That can be a good question to ask. Now, once again, I can't answer that. Like some of you are going through horrendous situations where to say it was pruning, it may not be accurate. Like it could be like, no, that was just a terrible thing that happened and I don't think it's God like pruning you, removing that person from your life or something uh, for the sake of whatever. Like God can work good out of that. But only he, I think, can counsel us to say, hey look, I know this is painful. I know it's crazy hard. I'm pruning you. I love you. This is for your good. Would you trust me? And would you just abide in me? I'll actually give you everything you need. I'll give you all the nutrients that you need for this moment. And then third, what is he calling you to do with him? Apart from him, we can do nothing. But what is he calling you to do with him? It could be you're like, man, all that you can do, you've been hurt so bad in a church that all you can do is like just barely make it through the doors, hang out in the back, and leave as soon as the service is over. And that's incredible. But with him, he might be saying, hey, look, I did make you for community. I did make you to be a body and to have brothers and sisters around you. And you know what? With me, you can thrive in a community group at Frontline. You can do that. I can do it. Those people need you there. You need them in your life. And I know there's all sorts of reasons why, man, that could go so bad, and here's where it has in my life. And it's like, yeah, but with him, rooted in him, he can give you fruit in that. It might be all sorts of things that you've tried and failed, and maybe you even were trying, walking in him, and it just, it just didn't work well. Maybe conversations you tried to have with parents that didn't go anywhere. And it's like, hey, abide in me, I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. With me, you can bear much fruit. Maybe it's the health of a marriage that you've given up on. And you were even seeking to abide in him, and it just continued to go down, down, down. And God maybe, once again, may be counseling you to say, hey, abide in me, I'll abide in you, and let's see if we can have fruit here.